0: it's new york new york presented by FanDuel. the mlb season is in full swing and you can step up to the plate with FanDuel, america's number one sports book right now you can check out the new and improved parlay hub filtered by odds sport and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays all on one page plus Bet the live same game parlays for every MLB game and track your game and bets live with box scores and play-by-play. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem for 100 gambler? or Visit rg-help.com.
2: This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake.
3: (laughs) Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast.
0: baby. Welcome in Monday edition. champ the Monday edition of New York, New York with yours truly. JJ, John Strzemski. We are right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And I wonder how our buddy, I wonder how our pal Bill from Los Angeles is doing right about now. And I know he's going to try and Give me the spin. I saw this coming. The Red Sox bullpen stinks. I texted you this on Friday. Blah, 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 blah. Well, here's what I know. I came up to Fenway Park, returning to the scene of the crime from two months ago. When I came up here and I was in a rotten, vile, miserable mood. After the Yankees yucked up a couple of games. To see the Yankees come into this ballpark and sweep the Boston Red Sox in three consecutive games is a thing of beauty. It is that sort of feeling that gives me a little extra tickle. Yeah, baby. Let it all hang out. From a Yankee standpoint, everything went according to plan. Maybe except for Sunday night's game. But you think about how they set a tone Friday, scoring early. John Carlos Stanton. What can you say about John Carlos Stanton? From the five iron he hit out of the ballpark on Friday night, then Saturday's game, which is hanging in the balance. Alex Cora goes to a left handed starting pitcher. We detailed this in our Spotify green room. I actually felt good the minute they got Hauk out of the game. The lefty hits Rizzo. Stanton, the posits went on the lounge street. The Yankee faithful with me behind the dugout. We were a couple of seats away from the Yankee players. They were going absolutely bonkers. I think the crowd at Fenway Park, which ended up turning rather partisan for the New York Yankees, went absolutely bonkers. And I'm losing my mind. And a Yankee fan is losing their mind. But Sunday was a big game. Sunday was a big game because of the swing. It would have been a good weekend for the Yankees regardless. Sunday had an opportunity to make it a great weekend. They had the early lead. They're actually flashing the leather. Lemayu gets a big hit. Montgomery does his job. Holmes looks absolutely fantastic. And then this game gets real wacky and gets real strange around the bottom half of the seventh inning. Clay Holmes is out. Travis Shaw's up. And Aaron Boone's running the mound. And I'm like, what is he doing? Clay Holmes looked great. Let him pitch to Travis Shaw, for goodness sakes. Yanks him. Goes to Rodriguez. Core counters. <laughs> Sends up Iglesias. So basically, you burned one of your better relievers for a guy that I don't believe in, a guy I really can't trust nearly as much, in Rodriguez. Sure enough, puts a couple guys on base. Ends up throwing a wild pitch. Sack fly. Yankees tied the game. And Aaron Boone, that's the sort of crap that will scare me next week. And in a potential one-game playoff, or any playoff game for that matter, that's inexcusable managing. That's number one. Number two, the Yankee defense, which has been much maligned for a good majority of this year. DJ LeMayu, after making some sparkling plays, drops the Kyle Schwarber pop-up. Would have been the third out of the inning. Then there's another pop-up out to left field. Joey Gallo drops the pop-up. And I'm saying, you gotta be freaking kidding me. This is how the Yankees are going to yuck up a chance to sweep the Boston Red Sox because of bonehead stupidity from the manager and from the Yankee defense. That's why my confidence was not particularly high going into the top half of the eighth inning. But you should know a couple of things about this team. As crazy a year as this has been, as frustrating a year as this has been, you're in, you're out, you're out, you're in, you're in, you're out. I don't care who you are. Every Yankee fan has felt that you know, that sort of tilt-a-whirl of emotions throughout 2021, and they'd be lying if they told you otherwise. That's what this year has been about. It's been the ultimate roller coaster. You get an opportunity second and third after Rizzo hits that booming double with Judge at the plate against Adovino. He's having a great at-bat. Then all of a sudden, I think he strikes out. He should have struck out. Yanks got away with on there. To see Aaron Judge deliver and give you the lead, and then to see Stanton hit another moonshot on a Lansdowne street has me beaming. And I know we're early in the season, Yankee fans, myself included. was very, very critical of Giancarlo Stanton. Well, I think it's fair to say that Giancarlo Stanton has earned those cliche Yankee pinstripes. In a series the Yankees desperately needed to win. Three homers and 10 RBIs in this weekend series. And not your garbage time, three homers and 10 RBIs. All three of these homers were monstrous. Listen to this stat. Yankees with at least three homers and 10 RBIs in any three-game series against Boston. Ruth, Gehrig, Mantle, Staten. I think the Bluebirds should subside for Giancarlo Stanton. I don't know if it's playing the outfield. I don't know if it's finding the groove and finding the comfort zone. He is locked in, and he's had a fabulous season for this team. And I love the fact that the Yankees hit Adovino. Adovino is an absolute stiff. That's why I didn't shed any tears when the Yankees traded him. It's why I'm never shaking in my boots when he comes into the game. He was never somebody I could count on to get big outs in big situations. So good. I'm glad he's yucking it up for the Boston Red Sox. This weekend was amazing. It was therapeutic. It was just what the doctor ordered. But I'm going to caution the Yankee fan on something tonight. Be easy with the gloating for now. And I'm going to tell you why. This thing is far from over, folks. The Red Sox have Cupcake City coming up this week. Baltimore and Washington. Bare minimum, they're going four and two. The Yankees, on the other hand, are going to have their hands full Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Let's not forget, the Toronto Blue Jays came into Yankee Stadium about three weeks ago and swept the New York Yankees. I know they had a rough week against the Minnesota Twins, but this is a young team. They're a confident team. They score a boatload of runs. Now, I want to believe that the Yankees have kicked it into the highest gear that we've seen in 2021, considering what was at stake, and that even includes this 13-game winning streak back in August and in September, all true. I've just seen too many ups and downs to say, oh, get ready. The Yankees will be hosting that wildcard game a week from now at Yankee Stadium. I hope and pray that they do. And that is our rallying cry here on New York, New York for the rest of this week. Get in and get me to the Dago. That's the rallying cry. Anthony and Syosset knows what I'm talking about. Anthony and Westchester knows what I'm talking about. Get me in and get me to the Dago. I think four and two, there's a good chance that'll get you there. The problem the Yankees will run into, though, they're tied with Boston. Those losses early in the year could cost them. It's possible we're taking a show on the road to Fenway Park one last time for better or worse here in 2021. Let's hope that's not the case. Let's hope it's the Yankees and the Red Sox at Yankee Stadium, in my neck of the woods, in my town. But this is a great week. Stanton showing up, Judge showing up, Cole showing up. Give Chapman credit; he got some big outs on Saturday and Sunday. How about Severino pitching out of the bullpen and looking the way he did? I think he, in many ways, could be this team's Julio Arias. if the Yankees are to get into the postseason. Whole lot of positives. And to survive that seventh inning, live to die another day, get off the mat and deliver, that to me is a really encouraging sign going into Toronto this week. It does not get any easier. This week's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of heartache. It's going to be a lot of intrigue. Buckle up. That's my advice to the Yankee fan. Buckle up. And that leads me to my transition. Because my advice to any of the Yankee New York football fans that are out there. I assume that is a good majority of you. I hope you really cherish what you're getting from the Yankees over the next couple of weeks because we ain't get much of a football season here in this town. I mean, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness! I was dumb enough, raising my hand, owning this, acknowledging this. I was dumb enough to pick the New York Giants when we did our old school, new school competition with Joe Beningo, I was actually dumb enough to do that. Well, you know what? Shame on me. Because this Giant team, once again, as we said last Thursday night when they lost to the Washington football team, they're good enough to lose. They're good enough to lose. And the amazing thing about the Giants, three games into this season, one of the major overarching questions about the team was what? the performance and the play of Daniel Jones. I would say as a whole this year, Daniel Jones has been okay. He's been solid. Daniel Jones has not been the Giants' number one problem. Take this Atlanta game, for example. The play calling. Too cute. Too conservative. Way too content. Way too happy to go and send a field goal unit out there. That drives me insane. Then you get to Evan Ingram, who, by the way, I don't want to hear from any Giant fan about the potential and the talent and this and that, Evan Ingram, because you know what? The guy is never on the field, number one. And number two, when he is on the field, he's either dropping a ball or fumbling a ball. I'm sick of hearing about Evan Ingram because the Giants had an opportunity to go and get themselves more points right at the end of the first half, and he can't hold on to the damn ball. That's unacceptable. That's a joke. Let's take it a step further. This head coach, who I was complimentary to a year ago. Like his demeanor, like the way he goes about his business. You know what? Judges had a terrible start to this season. From week one, costing his team a timeout with that dopey challenge flag throw that he had against the Broncos. Week two, I'm gonna hold him responsible for his team settling for way too many field goals being accepting of kicking too many field goals and playing not to lose at the end of the game. Yeah, he and Jason Garrett are side-by-side. The architect of the offense and the head coach is responsible for play calling. And then in this particular game, you're in Falcons territory. Falcons territory. The Falcons, mind you, are not the 85 Bears. The Falcons, mind you, are not the 2,000 Baltimore Ravens. You're in plus territory. And I tweeted this out. And I trust me on this. I never like to tweet out elements during a football game. I really don't. Because I like to sit there. I think people make absolute horses' asses of themselves when they like live tweet a game because your reactions, I mean, they, you know, they're crazy. I even hate doing it during a baseball game, but it's a little different. There's a little bit more downtime. And the swings, it feels like in football, just even crazier. But listen to this nonsense because this drove me nuts. This drove me absolutely insane. The idea of punting in plus territory on a fourth and three is embarrassing. It is embarrassing. Trust your offense. Execute deliver, and put points up on a board. You coach like that, you're playing scared. You're playing not to lose. Guess what happens? More often than not, you lose. The head coach deserves to be ripped. Deserves to be ripped. And then you have a Dory Jackson dropping what should have been an interception. And that's the last element of play. This giant defense that people told me before the year was going to be a top 10 defense in the sport. They're bringing back a lot of talent. They played well last year. Well, they let Atlanta who again is not the Atlanta Falcon team that had MVP Matt Ryan a couple of years ago, get right down the field with the game on the line, dink and dunk, dink and dunk, dink and dunk, boom, right in the field goal range. And you end up losing the game. Good enough to lose. I can't stress it enough with the Giants. And now they're 0-3. And I asked the Giant fan this simple question: where are the wins coming from? These three games against Denver, Washington, and Atlanta were all gettable. These are supposed to be the games that were the softer part of your schedule. Wait till later in the pod I run through this Giant schedule. You're gonna be looking and listening, saying, well, where's my team winning games? Giants couldn't afford this start because it's happened too many times. And I'm sorry, the numbers back this up. At 0-2 and and at 0-3, you're not making the playoffs. It's really, really hard to do. Really, really hard to do. Then you get to the Jets. So much for the Jets giving you more of a competitive, spirited effort against the Denver Broncos. I mean, everything was embarrassing for the Jets today. I, I, I don't even know where to begin. Whether it's Corey Davis, who just dropped another pass. Offensive lineman doing a miserable job. Zach Wilson throwing interceptions. Penalties that extend drives for the Denver Broncos. I mean, do I need to continue? Do I need to continue? That was the sort of game that in many ways had mismatch written all over it. Because what you had was a Vic Fangio coach team. And a Vic Fangio defense that is complex. That can throw a lot of different looks at you. That can get you all sorts of confused. That was the defense they threw out against a quarterback that right now looks like a deer in the headlights. He may have talent. He may look a lot better by the time you hit the end of the year. He didn't have a chance on Sunday. Now, he made some bad decisions at the end of the game. Nowhere near as egregious as what you saw, what was it, last Sunday against the Patriots. What redeeming quality, honestly, can you find from this Jet game on Sunday? For the Jet fan that is listening right now to this podcast, it is a simple question. What redeeming quality can you find? Jet offense really lit the world on fire. Where the hell is Denzel Mims? What what is going on there? What am I missing? The guy was a second-round pick. Can we get him on the field? And I know Denzel Mims is not going to make or break the Jet offense. I get that. Put him out there. Let them fly. Overmatched. Overwhelmed. And again, go look at the Jets schedule and ask yourself this question. Where are the wins coming for them? So much for a more spirited start to this New York football season. The Jet game was such a bore. It was so bad midway through the third quarter. The, the, the most entertaining part of this football game was maybe having some fun as a little bit of a side bet to whether or not the Jets are going to score a damn point. As non-competitive as they were last year, which we all knew was a joke, it was a tank year, it was a year in many ways that was not worth watching. You look at their margin in the first three games of last year to what we have seen the first three games well, this year, here's the amazing part. You're not going to like this, Jeff. It's basically the same. Plus or minus 10, 15, give or take. The fact that that's the case, it's not good. Now, I didn't have high expectations for the Jets this year. That's why I found it comical that there were some of you guys that were even discussing the idea that they could be a French playoff contender, which blew my mind. I think that was green and white. Uh, jet Kool-Aid that you might have been uh, guzzling down in July or August down the Jersey Shore, or down in the Hamptons for all I know. It's a bad football team. But the last two weeks, a whole lot of non-competitive elements. That's alarming. And then I got offensive linemen saying that Zach Wilson is holding on to football too long. Do I need those quotes coming out? You got to tighten up the shit, Robert Sala. That'd be my advice to you. The honeymoon is definitely <laughs> over for Joe Judge. And I'm sure that honeymoon is over for any giant as John Mayer is getting booed there Eli Manning's uh, halftime celebration. And then it's basically kicking garbage cans after the game. I don't blame him with the way your team's played over the last nine or 10 years. John, I'd be doing a lot worse than that. A lot more heat on the Giants, but they're a lesson. These narratives, they change quickly. And not only do they change quickly, that pressure mounts and it intensifies. Honeymoons, you don't get alone. Sam Donald will tell you that. I need to see more competitive football out of the Jets. Well, if you're a Yankee football fan here in this town, cherish what you might get over the next couple of weeks. And I hope that it's going to be lengthy because we're not even in October. I feel like I'm Rod Stewart and Maggie May. It's late September and I really should be back at school, but the Jets and Giants look dead. That's the reality. We got a loaded show. we we'll are run around the league tons of voicemails to get to. We'll also set the stage for what's going to be a very juicy week of baseball. All that and more, we'll come right back. This
1: episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app.
0: All right, before we get to some jazzed-up, spirited voicemails, week three in the NFL was rather chaotic. It was a great day of watching games. You know, I said that to my buddy Murray as we were sitting down watching the one o'clock witching hour. And my goodness, the poor guy has me in his apartment all weekend. And he's got to deal with me hooting and hollering about the Yankees. And then he's got to deal with me hooting and hollering during a Dolphin game. I mean, give the guy, you know, roses for the lady. Might have to give him a bottle of wine or something. I mean, he got to tolerate me having the worst golf round of my life. But anyway, I digress. It was a great one o'clock window. And the highlight of the one o'clock window to me is the Baltimore Ravens getting away with highway robbery against the Detroit Lions. That is a game they absolutely should have lost. That is a game they were outplayed in. Hollywood Brown just dropped another touchdown pass, for goodness sakes. And it looked like Detroit was going to pull this game out of the fire. Justin Tucker is sent out for a game-winning field goal of 66 yards. And the amazing thing watching as the madness is unfolding. I didn't think it was crazy because I've seen this guy hit so many kicks over the years and he was inside in the process. And it's the lions who basically invent ways to lose. I was like, watch this guy's going to nail this kick. Sure enough, he did. Those are gigantic games. Those are swing games in an NFL season. That could be the difference in Baltimore winning a division. That could be the difference in Baltimore getting into the postseason. When you Get away with the game that you had no business winning. You feel like you're floating on air. So that was a hell of a win for Baltimore. And at least Detroit's playing hard under Dan Campbell. That's my big takeaway. Could have called a delay game there too. But to have the drama of a 66-yard field goal, not going to complain. Now, how about the Chargers? Give the Chargers credit. Tough loss last week against Dallas. They go into Arrowhead Stadium. And you know what they do? They play to win. They played a win. Now, I didn't love the way they handled the final minute or so, where it was just very weird, the idea that, you know, they didn't milk more of the clock and actually gave Patrick Mahomes a chance with about a minute to go. But there was a play in this game. It was like fourth 4-3 or fourth and 4 and I tweeted this out, where they passed up the opportunity to go and hit a game-tying field goal and went for it, converted, and ended up scoring a touchdown. You got to put a win. I can't stress that enough in the NFL. And I saw examples of it again today. I saw examples of it in the Giant game. I saw an example in the Charger game. You've got to play to win. Coach Staley, to his credit, trusted his young quarterback. Herbert outshines Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs. You hope everything's okay with Andy Reid. But this looks like a team that's got some early season issues. Now, they're going to win games. They're going to be in the playoffs. But they, at least three weeks into this year, do not appear to be the same Kansas City unstoppable force that they've been in years past. They could have and should have lost to Cleveland. They end up losing to Baltimore, and now they have lost to the L.A. Chargers. And the, a- the AFC West, my goodness, you got four teams now with a winning record. So great win for the Chargers. Titans take care of the Colts, 25-16, big day for Ryan Tannehill. A- and the Colts right now are reeling. Quentin Nelson gets carted off the field. Colts have gotten off the slow starts with Frank Reich, but 0-3, tough pill to swallow. Uh, I'm sure Goff is going to be all over this in the Chicago podcast. The Browns whoop the Bears 26-6. Rough day for Justin Fields. I know all Chicago's up in arms about Matt Nagy. And listen, Matt Nagy leaves a lot to be desired, so I'm not going to fight them on that. The better team ends up winning that game, ends up being a whole hump type of affair. And Cleveland, my pick to win the AFC and the Super Bowl, off to a 2-1 start, so you'll love to see that. Buffalo, 43-21 to over the football team. Now that is the Buffalo Bills team that I expected to see at the start of the year. Josh Allen throwing for four touchdowns and 360 yards. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley make a play. See, that's the scary thing about Buffalo. Emmanuel Sanders is a winning player. Cole Beasley, even though he's on another planet with some of the things he has to say, he's a winning player. Allen's got dudes he can trust that he can throw the football to. They can light up the scoreboard. That's what they reminded everybody in week three. And listen, I was gushing about Washington's defense at the start of the year. Washington's defense is a terrible to start this year off. Got gashed by Daniel Jones. Got embarrassed by the Buffalo Bills. Didn't play great against Herbert and the Chargers. Washington won it two, and it easily could be all in three. Rough day for Bill from Los Angeles. Not only do his Red Sox get swept, some performance from the Patriots today. I mean, my goodness, the Patriots look in hell. Missed on special teams. The tight ends were dropping passes left and right. Mac Jones did look, dare I say, a little skittish. He kind of had that deer-in-the-headlights look for a good majority of this game. And I never in a million years thought that Jameis Winston would be the quarterback to go and play turnover-free football. You get enough out of Alvin Kamara. You get a clean game out of the Saints' offense. The Saints' defense plays great against New England, who's got nobody that scares you down the field. And the Patriots now full of one and two. And who's staring them in the face next week? Angry Tom Brady off of a loss, which we will get to in a minute. Patriots could be looking at one and three to start off this year. Bengals, big win for them. And I had a feeling that was a fishy line. 24 to 10 over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, the Steelers have a quarterback problem. Ben Waltersberger with that offensive line does not look like Hall of Fame Ben. The two interceptions in this game. They only run for 45 yards in this game. And Cincinnati made plays. Jamar Chase is a difference maker. Listen, the Bengals wanted Jamar Chase. They took a lot of heat for taking Jamar Chase. And he didn't have a great preseason. You know what Jamar Chase has done since the season has started? He's balled out. He's balled out. Cardinals improved to 3-0 on the year, 31-19 over the Jaguars. And Trevor Lawrence made one of those oh-shit rookie mistakes that was rather devastating and costing his team a victory. Jacksonville had a lead in this game. They had that insane play on the long field goal. You thought maybe this would be the day for Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence. Not to be. And how about the stones on Cliff Kingsbury? Going for it. Fourth and four. Could have kicked the field goal. Said, screw it. We're going. Trying to extend this to a two-score game. Exactly that. That's coaching and playing to win. Can't stress that enough. Late games. Rams. Rams. Super impressive. I love them in this game. I'm annoyed at myself that I didn't include them in the Super Contest plays 34 to 24 over the Buccaneers. Stafford, first game against Brady in a Ram uniform. What could be a playoff preview? Throw us four touchdowns. Cooper Cup, making plays all over the field. And you see what Los Angeles' defense can do against Tom Brady. They disrupted him in the first matchup. They got to him early in this game. Now, Brady got going in this game a little too, little too late. A lot of the numbers he ended up putting up were in, dare I say, garbage time. But this is the sort of game the Rams, I think, need to build confidence and to grow going into January. You'll get a much different Buccaneer team if you play them in the month of January. But this game to me was a lot more important for the Rams than it was for the Buccaneers. And I think it's shown that game. So really good win for the Rams. Minnesota, good win for them. Without Dalvin Cook, Taking down the Seattle Seahawks, impressive. Putting up 30 points. Seattle's defense is just very shaky. It's very, very shaky. Cousins was on fire. He's finding Thielen. He's finding Justin Jefferson. He was in, tr- in control basically the entire game. And Seattle, has been off their mark here. Seattle will be fine. They're going to win games throughout the regular season. I can't take this defense seriously as far as being a contending team. Three weeks into the year, that's my takeaway with the Seahawks. Russell will be fine. They'll put up points. The defense, not so much. Now, the game of the 4 o'clock slate happened to involve my team. And thank heavens I was not in Las Vegas for the Dolphins and the Vegas Raiders. This is a wacky game. Dolphins got up to a 14-0 lead. Then they had one of the worst play calls in the history of the NFL at the one-yard line throwing an extended screen pass to Jalen Waddle. I mean, what in God's name do you think is going to happen running that sort of dopey, asinine type of play? Safety flipped the entire feel of the game. Raider offense got going. Derek Cora got going. Sanders missed a field goal at the end of the first half. And I actually thought the Dolphins were going to get their doors blown off in the second half. Raiders scored a touchdown. Would have gone up 12, missed the extra point. Gave the Dolphins hope. The Dolphins needed, like, everything to go right in order to tie that game. They survived a couple of terrible play calls with Wildcats. They got a roughing the passer call. They converted some insane third and fourth down plays. Insane to Mike Gisicchi, who was a monster throughout this game. Brissett has an unbelievable touchdown run. They get the two. And this is where I got to give Brian Flores a whole lot of shit. And I love Brian Flores. He's my dude. He's Brooklyn. He's been a terrific coach two-plus years in. Coach Falk. The Raiders kick a field goal. Your defense is gassed. They've been on the field the entire second half. Your offense is finally starting to click. They're finally starting to get into a rhythm. Don't run a third and two shovel play with tight end who has good hands, but it's not exactly, you know, Mr. Shifty and Mike Kosicki. And then on fourth down, you can't kick a field goal there. You're playing for the tie. The Raiders already scored. All they need is a field goal. Your defense is gassed. You got to win the game right there. Now, I know there might have been a pass interference on Wolf Forward down the field. Yes, the officials might have missed that. But that was scare coaching from Brian Forrest. Got to call it like it is. Scared coaching. The Raiders, that's a gut check win. That's an impressive win. They're 3-0. Miami now 1-2. And Miami at 1-2 taking on 0-3 Indianapolis. That's like a survival game for those two teams. Miami loses to Indy next week. They're 1-3 and they got Tampa. So they might as well be 1-4. Indy loses. They fall 0-4 almost impossible in the NFL to dig yourself out of that hole. Last but not least, before we hit the voicemails, we're doing this late. What a win for the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay got off to an early lead. San Francisco hung in. This is the craziness as I'm watching the end of the Yankee game and watching this on the second screen, kind of bobbing and weaving. Obviously, most of my attention is on the Yankee game. But as that Yankee game wraps up, I see Jimmy Garoppolo actually working his magic down the field after what was an idiotic idiotic turnover the sequence before he's finding Debo Samuel he's finding George Kittle use check who could play for my team any day of the week scores the go-ahead touchdown but you know what my first thought was when they scored that go-ahead touchdown too much time sure to be fair on this as a resident San Francisco 49er fan as you are watching this game and you are probably more dialed into it than I was for the course of the four quarters were you thinking the exact same thought that I had when the use check scored that touchdown you left Mr.
3: Rogers a little bit too much time. I mean, yes and no. I mean, there was there was only like you know, just over 30 left, right? And I just can't believe how bad the defense is in situations like that. Like, how are you letting Devontae Adams run wide open like a couple of different times when you know you just can't get beat deep, hold everything underneath? I uh, I wasn't confident, JJ. I mean, I, I felt like they did enough to win the game and then Jimmy G was going to maybe get some people off his back. But that's just a hor- horrific defensive showing at the end Steve,
0: of that Steve, I say it all the time. When you play not to lose, you know what happens more
3: often than not? You lose. Well, it's funny, JJ, because a lot of people were saying that the Packers shouldn't have kicked the field goal there to go up six. They should have went for the knockout, and they were saying that the Packers played to lose. But then when you have Rodgers, man, there's, no matter what time is left, and they gave him too much time, uh, you just never know, and he ended up biting him See, nuts. I had
0: no problem with the Packers kicking a field goal there in that situation
3: for this reason.
0: Your offense had been scuffling, and I think you got to kind of let the game tell the story. If you were an offense that was moving the ball throughout the four quarters of the game, I'm okay going for it there. Like, if I'm going against Mahomes, like Herbert and Staley were today, I'm okay going for it. In that spot, I have to be fair. And you know this, Rudy. I love going for it. I encourage these coaches more often than not to go for it. In that instance, though, I was fine with Green Bay on the floor kicking the field goal.
3: I really was. Yeah, Jimmy G does that and you tip your cap to him, I guess. I, I kind of agree with you there. Like if Jimmy G goes and did what, does what he did, you say, okay, good on you. But, you know, nine times out of ten, that's probably not going to happen. And
0: enough time for Aaron Rodgers to work his magic. So the Niners now 2-1 and one on the year, still in pretty good shape. And Green Bay, after that hideous loss to the Saints, backing it up with two impressive wins. And Al Michaels, I love when Al is in a snarky, sarcastic mood. He's like, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, what a distraction he was in the offseason. <laughs> Didn't seem to be much of a distraction, though, on that final possession of the game. All right, voicemail time. Before we do that, big winners of week three. I'm going to say the Chargers. I'm going to say the Rams. I'm going to say the two LA teams. And I'm going to say the Packers. I'm going to say those are my three big winners of week number three the LA teams and the Packers. Take that for what it's worth. Well. Voicemail time going to be a busy week we got a pod on tuesday i'm sure we'll have a green room wednesday we're going to mix in a lot of green rooms this week in addition to the pod we're going to be insanely busy because you know it's it's go time it's crunch time 917-382-1151 this should be fun all right what do we got
4: jj
5: justin in miami i told you last week after washington say it with me culture of losers that's what john mara or james dolan of the NFL has created. He's created a culture of losers. And then what did we see again? Losing organizations make losing plays. Joe Judge coaches like it's 1970 playing for field goals, punting on fourth and three from your 38 against a bad defense. You drop interceptions in the end zone. They make losing plays. And honestly, You know what, Joe? Judge has been one of the worst coaches in the NFL for these first three games. He's arguably cost this team two games just with inept coaching decisions. So you know what? Joe Judge, you'll be gone at the end of this year, too. Because Dave Gettleman is an absolute clown. And you know what? It couldn't happen to a more arrogant guy. This guy rode into New York and really blew off the media, blew off the fans. And you know what, Dave? You know what your legacy is? You get to go down on the Mount Rushmore of incompetent New York executives. You are every bit as incompetent as Isaiah Thomas. Scott Leighton and all those guys, and you will be remembered in the same fashion as them. And if you're John Mayer and you care, you know what you do today? You fire Dave Gettleman tomorrow because your fans are about to sit through a three and 14 type season. You fire that clown tomorrow. And then you know what? When you bring in new candidates, if they want to get rid of Joe Judge, sorry, Joe, you can't go four and 13 in year two. You can't blow games and coach like it's 1975. So when the new GM wants to bring in his own coach, Joe Judge will be gone too. It's a total embarrassment, JJ. They had an easy schedule so far at 0 3. The fans are about to sit through another 3 and 14 year. And if John Mayer doesn't do something tomorrow, if he doesn't fire Dave Gettleman on Monday. He's basically saying he's okay with it. Later, buddy.
0: As big a critic as I may be on Dave Gettleman, they're not going to fire him three games into an NFL season. They're just not. Now, John Mayer is clearly feeling the heat. The Giant fan has turned on John Mayer. You know, the Mayer family. Was always well respected, well renowned throughout New York City, throughout this town. The Giants have been losers eight of the last nine years. That's what the fan base remembers. So, that fan base that was there to honor Eli Manning today, when they brought John Mara out there, they booed him out of the building. They booed him. And you know what? I can't blame the Giant fan. Even John Mara said it. At least he understands. Yeah, I'd boo me too. But that frustration is boiling over. As you're 0-3, he said at the beginning of the year he's sick of the losing. Well, I'd be doing worse than kicking garbage cans, my friend. Now, as far as your stance on the coach, I got to see how the end of this year plays out. Because the last thing you want to keep doing if you're the New York Giants is just keep cycling through head coaches and GMs across the board because you look incompetent. This is why having that arranged coach hired after a GM, it, it gets complicated. I'd argue that Gettleman is the bigger problem for the New York Giants. But guess what? Joe Judge has not had a good start to his second year. Not going to fight you on I mean.
2: that. Who's next? Sub up, JJ? It's Ryan from Yorkville. Uh, here's a depressing stat per the Twitter account at NYG Daily. 31 out of 32 teams in the NFL have been above 500 at one point in a season since 2017. Is to say at some point in the past five years, 31 teams have for at least one season have at some point had more wins than losses in their schedule. The one team that hasn't, the New York fucking Giants. That includes the Browns, who had a winless season during that span, and Jets and Jags, who at least managed to win their opener now and then. And now we're 0 3. We lost to a Falcons team on Eli Manning's retirement ceremony day. And we're the fourth worst. Te- they're the fourth worst team in the league besides the Jaguars, Jets, and Giants. Thank God they exist because we, they would be the worst of that for us. I would be genuinely surprised if we avoid in 17 season, to be honest. John Mara deserves every fucking boo that Eli Manning tried to stop at his retirement ceremony, and he deserves every last one that comes his way between now and when he eventually croaks. And honestly, put aside the injury luck for a moment, it was brutal to see what happened to Shepard, and Martinez, and uh, Galladay, uh, the receiver court. Because that happened to all these teams in the NFL. If at this rate, if they keep playing like this, if Joe Judge and Jason Garrett continue their fizzle play calling and dipshit challenges, oh my God, that challenge. If our offense continues to sputter like this, this team deserves it. I'm so tired of the Giants, man. Thanks for the show.
0: I understand the frustration. And losing plays continue to plague this team. The inability to finish a game continues to plague this team. The giant defense, which is supposed to be a strength. Game on the line. Can they get a stop? Nope. Giant offense. Can they score 20 plus points? Nope. Whether it's Jackson, whether it's Ingram, whether it's playing for field goals, whether it's punting the ball on fourth and four, fourth and three and plus territory. I mean, it's the stuff that'll drive you insane. It's losing football. It's exhausting. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a giant fan talking about these two football teams has become a chore because they suck. I I, I can't put it in simpler terms, folks. They have been awful for the last nine years. I like having a football season. I really do. I like getting into it. I like watching games that matter. I think I'm going to have meaningful November, December football with either one of these teams. I mean, at least with the Jets, I didn't expect that. I mean the Giants only three, and wait till I give you the schedule I have coming up. That's all I'm going to say. Wait till I give you the schedule for the next six games. Then you could try to tell me where the wins are coming from.
6: Who's next? Hey, JJ, there from Syracuse, and uh, I was riding with you on that Giants pick, man. Family pick. I I totally agreed with all the reasoning that you laid out for it, but uh, shame on me, also. Um, I mean, I'm a Raiders fan, so I got no dog in this fight, but uh, boy, Giants, man, they got to gut that whole thing and start over, but. Uh, on a positive note, I do have the Giants win total under seven ticket that's uh, looking real good right now if you take a look at their schedule for the next six weeks. So, uh, later.
0: Yeah, you got to be feeling good about an under for the Giants at seven. That is sitting pretty. Listen to the Giants' schedule over the next seven weeks. At New Orleans. At the Cowboys. Giants go one and one in those games. They did a good job. Home Rams, home Panthers, at Chiefs, home Raiders, at Bucks. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Out of their next seven, if the Giants went three and four at the Saints, at the Cowboys, home Rams, home Panthers, at Chiefs, home Raiders, at Bucks, they did a good job. If they were to go three and four. You know what three and four would put them? Three and seven on the year. If the Giants are three and seven, they're cooked. You can't bank on the NFC East being as bad as it was last year. You can't. You got to figure somebody in that division is going to find a way to nine or ten wins. And so far, the Cowboys and the Eagles look competent. We'll watch them tomorrow night. They look competent early on in this year. That's a real bad sign for the Giants. Listen, Giants look like a team that's going nowhere fast. Let's call it like it is. Does anybody see this team turning around after what they've seen the first three weeks of the year? Let's let's be real about that.
4: Who's next? JJ, hey Mike in Westport. Uh, be thankful you're up in Boston because I'm sure you're getting deluged by Giant fans. Uh, oh my God, and this is one of them. You know, aside from the game, I mean, I'm I'm not sure if you saw Judge's post-game press conference. It was pathetic. You know, I kind of like this guy. I'm kind of having my doubts now. He was like a zombie up there. You know, he looks like he just came from watching like a sitcom or something, you know? There's no emotion. He's not upset, you know? He's just answering all these questions in a monotone, you know? And every quest- he answers every question the same. Well, we've got to keep working, correct our mistakes. And, I mean, it's just like, how about showing the fans that you're a little upset at being 0-3 and losing to two terrible teams? You know what? Someone asked him about Ingram fum- fumbling, what he said to Ingram. He says, oh, you know, I told him to keep his head up. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, shouldn't you be telling him this is like your fourth year, this is a fucking National Football League, you're getting paid. If you can't keep the ball, you can't play anymore. You know what? That's, I think, what the fans would like to have him heard him say. It's unbelievable. And one other thing, like gentlemen, it's just like, you know what? The season's gone. I think most of us agree, especially with the schedule coming up. I'm petrified that they're going to keep this guy for whatever reason. And what I'm, what most troubles me is this like, I think he's going to re sign Barkley, and I think he's going to re sign the quarterback, you know? And I'm thinking, why would he sign them? Because they're his picks. He wants to justify these high picks. And Barkley hasn't shown much at all. You know, he's an average running back at this time. The quarterback looks like a computer out there. You know, I'm not saying he's terrible, his numbers aren't bad, but there's no inspiration in his play. And I'm just thinking to myself, is is Mara watching the same thing we're watching? Uh, and I'm, I'd be curious to what your thoughts are on where Gettleman should stand at this point. I, I don't think you haven't been a big fan of his up to now. And I'm thinking like, are, is Merrick going to actually let this guy make decisions going forward? I mean, his his first round, Kadavius Tony is, is nowhere. Guys are getting hurt all over the place. It's just such a mess. So uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts. I uh, love the show. Thanks. Bye.
0: I've never been a fan of Dave Gettleman. I think Dave Gettleman has done a miserable job. And I think he should have been gone a long time ago. So I've been preaching this theme for quite a while. There better be frustration within the giant organization. From the owner on down, the fan base has had it. Because you got to remember something. This is a prideful fan base. That was on full display with the love they showed Eli Manning and my dude David Deal, and Sean O'Hara, and Victor Cruz, and all of these guys who were champions for the New York Giants. That was a team you could be proud of. That was a team that knew how to win. That was a team that won in big games. Think about that era of Giant football, which had its ups and downs, and compare it to this garbage. I know Eli was a part of it for a couple of years. Don't get me wrong. He kind of overstayed his welcome too. Not his fault, Giants' fault. They built a terrible team around them and it ended in an ugly way. You're not going to remember that. Think back, because he won you two Super Bowl championships and he's going to be a Hall of Famer. But the franchise as a whole for almost a decade now has been awful. From 2012 on, they've had two winning years. Seven of the last eight years, they've been rotten. They've been miserable. You better be feeling that heat if you're John And no, I don't see a magic potion. It's got to start with a win somehow, some way. Maybe they pull a miracle, rabbit out of the hat against New Orleans next week. Maybe Jameis Winston gives it the, the bad Jameis game and it gives you three or four interceptions. You're going to need that. The Giants need a massive spark to turn their season around because right now they look as dead as a the doornail. They look completely dead. I don't care if these games are close. They're good enough to lose. Good enough to lose. And Atlanta stinks. Atlanta's not a good team. Very problematic. Who's next?
7: JJ, it's Kump from Staten Island. And I'm, the game isn't even over yet. Zach Wilson just threw an interception. What the hell are we doing wasting our time with this franchise? I mean, not only are the Giants terrible, the Jets are unwatchable. This is like watching Alabama just beat up on teams every every Saturday. We go every game we play, we're losing by 35 points. What is the point of being a Jets fan at this point? 12 years of complete irrelevancy and no progress whatsoever. What is the point? Oh, the pain, as Joe Benningo would
2: say. All the love, JJ. Have a good
0: one. Come. I feel your pain, brother. Uh, I'm going to have to ask Joe what the point may be on Thursday. And, you know, Joe should have included the Broncos as his uh, old school five-pack special because he did say they are the lock of the week. He didn't want to include them because he said he never picks against this team. Uh, I wish I would have bet on Denver today. I didn't bet on the Jets. At least I wasn't dumb enough to do that. Um, you want to see progress. And right now you're not seeing that. It's three games into the year, and you hate watching these games that are just routes from the get-go. There was never a point in this game. Honestly, there was never a point in this game where it felt like the Jets had a fighting chance. Denver's marching it right down the field, they're running it at will. They're making plays. Bridgewater is doing whatever the hell he wants to do. And on the other end, the Jets, they can't move the football. And when it looks like they're moving the ball, somebody drops a pass, or Davis, there's a stupid penalty. Yeah, There's missed blocks. It's just, it's, it's a miserable mess. It's a mess that needs to be cleaned up by the time you hit the end of this year. That's why I'm going to give Robert Salah till the end of this year to kind of grade the progress. Three weeks in, the end result has not been pretty. Common theme around here, folks. Sorry if you feel like I'm beating a dead horse. Kind of got to beat this shitty dead horse with these football teams. That's what it's been for far too long. Who's next?
5: This is Brian Ski, Clearwater, Florida. Looking at the Jets' schedule, where are the wins? Atlanta in the UK on October 10th. They have the Bengals at home on Halloween, so maybe they're playing a lot better. Texans in Texas on November 28th, and then home versus the Jags on the 26th, it's going to be a long, long season if they don't beat Atlanta in the UK. Also, watching Zach Wilson, I actually finally appreciate how NFL, at least ready, Darnold was. Love the show. First time, long time. Thanks.
0: Well, you're seeing Zach Wilson in many ways early on deal with the same sort of nonsense that Sam Darnold had to deal with in his first couple of years as a New York Jet quarterback. And that's not a good thing. And as far as where the wins are coming from, from the Jets, Tennessee at home, not a game you like their chances in. Atlanta's winnable. Atlanta's a better team than they are. New England, could they beat New England? Maybe, I don't think so. But what, Matt Jones, are you getting? Uh, No, I'm going to say that's a loss. Bengals, Colts, Bills, forget it. Could they beat my team? Yeah, they could probably beat my team once. Texans, they could beat. Eagles, maybe. Saints, maybe. Jags, maybe. I mean, max, I'm giving the Jets four wins this year. And that's being kind. As I just went through that schedule, if I had to put and cap a win total on it right now, I'd say the Jets, max, are getting the four wins. Some of you aren't going to like to hear that, but as I went through that schedule, ask yourself that question. Where are they coming from? Honestly. Joe said it to us on Thursday. He was damn right about it. Where are the wins coming from? Who's next?
2: JJ,
8: it's uh, Phil from New York. First-time caller. You know, I don't want to panic too much about Jack Wilson. You know, we got spoiled by guys coming in in their first year and having success right away. But it's, 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 for, for years, that wasn't the way it worked with rookie QBs. You struggle in your first year. You show a couple flashes towards the end of the year, and then you succeed in year two. So I'm not going to freak out on Wilson. But the play call with his new offensive coordinator is so unimaginative. There's no motion. There's no nothing. There's no shots downfield. It's just first down run, second down run, punt the ball. And, and you know what? I thought they'd be more competitive this year. I didn't expect them to be good. I expected five wins max. But the last two weeks, I mean, these are non-competitive showings. And, you know, Salah, you know, having that delay of game before the field goal, it's time to clean that shit up. That was shit that, you know, was tolerated under Bowls and Gates. And I thought Salah was going to come in and clean that up but you know it, it's it's really deflating but to, to not set up this guy wilson to succeed with just to have a 34 year old offensive coordinator and no veteran qb which is the craziest thing of all just have a guy mike white who nobody's even heard of in the qb room with him nobody to show him the way josh mccown at least showed darnold you know how nfl defenses work This just really deflating and you know after 11 years of this crap it, it's really time that they show signs of of life and show signs of competitive. I'm not asking to make the playoffs, but Jesus, can we make it to the third quarter of a freaking game? I'm out. Yeah, I get
0: that. And at 26 nothing in this game against the Broncos, there was never a point where they really gave you legitimate competitive fire. And it's across-the-board failures. Play calling's unimaginative. They drop dropping passes. Wilson's taking too many sacks. The line's playing poorly. Wasn't bad last week, but it played poorly this week against Denver. Denver's going to do that to a lot of teams because their scheme's complicated and the defensive line is really good. They're going to do that to a lot of teams, but they were completely overwhelmed and completely overmatched. You want to play games where you feel like you at least have a fighting chance. The Jets have not given you that. I guess they did in week one against Carolina. They came back. They gave you a competitive, spirited second half. I need a lot more of that and not what I've seen against the Patriots and the Broncos over the last two weeks. It's ugly. Listen, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Midway through the second quarter, you're like, this game's cooked. It's cooked. Because you can't move the ball, you can't score, and the other team isn't going to turn it over. Tough watch. The Jets, over the last decade, have been a tough. Jets and the Giants, again, it's worth repeating. Unwatchable New York football. Who's next?
6: Hey, JJ, Sean from Atlanta. Thanks for taking the call, man. Just watched the uh, Jets. Really brutal loss to Denver, which uh, you told me to see it coming, so I really should have. But, um, JJ, listen, they've been so bad for a long time now. I'm almost coming to catch with the team. You know, the Jets haven't authentically, you know, really gun-punched me since that 2015 loss in Buffalo. You know, the Dolphins today, that's a really tough loss. The Jets don't even do that anymore to the point where, unfortunately, I'm starting to just feel the same way each week. But, JJ, with a new coaching town, you know what I could go without is down 17 nothing, the taunting penalty. You know understanding taunting has you know kind of changed this year with the uh, emphasis but down 17 nothing the taunting i think it was quinn and williams down 20 nothing with this elaborate sack dance with a new coach in to town jj you know that makes you feel like the team is a joke not to deal with the team being bad it's happened for a long time now but that stuff you know i hope Style really makes that a point of emphasis for himself just making sure that you know the other thing is probably laughing at the jets down so many points getting taunting calls big stack dances and uh I think I speak for a lot of Jets fans where I could really go without that moving forward. But uh, trying to stay strong. Um, uh, still not got big think from the knockout pool. I'll be out soon, I'm sure. But uh, Carolina took that home for me on Thursday. But sorry, Dolphins, JJ. And uh, talk to you soon. Take care.
0: Mental mistakes like that will kill you. A delay game when you have an opportunity to get points on the board is inexcusable. And you're right. It is the sort of nonsense that we saw under Adam Gaze. And it is the sort of nonsense that we saw under Todd Bowles. I'm holding this coaching staff hopefully to a much higher standard. I want to believe that this coaching staff is going to be here for a long period of time. It is three games in. I have absolutely no idea what you're getting yourself into. I really have no idea. In many ways, you got to see a full season almost two years to know what you have in a head coach. The Jets are clearly talent deficient. They've got to do a better job of being in these games, and they cannot have this quarterback playing the way that he is at the end of this year. He's got to look better. He's got to be more comfortable. He's got to be more confident. You've got to build towards that by the time you hit the end of this year.
7: Next. Hey, JJ, Charlene, Elmhurst, Yankees complete the sweep of the Red Sox, but hey, Bill from Los Angeles, how was your day? Pats lose, Red Sox getting swept. How are you doing, Bill from Los Angeles? Uh, JJ. Uh, yeah, they got a couple couple breaks right there. I mean, it'd be crazy ass game. I mean, pop ups flying over. I mean, I mean, as soon as I thought Judge striking out, I thought that was like, I mean, I thought if he struck out. Then what happened? Two <laughs> Whatever, JJ. Uh, Judge is so clutch. So, um, his defensively on Saturday to this and Stanton. I mean, I mean, I, I'm I'm done killing this guy. I'm done. A Yankee fan, old Yankee fan, should not kill this guy. And JJ, I'm gonna tell you, I don't want this thing go back to Fenway Park. And that first week, of October for, on Tuesday, get the home field advantage and the wild card. That's so big. That's so big. I'm not scared of the rest. I don't know about scared of the rest or Whatever, whatever. We'll see what happens in this weekend. But hey, the Yankees are. I want the Yankees to go far because, my goodness, football giants. What a choke. What a shit. That team might go 0-7, 0-8 before the bye week. They're guaranteed to lose in the New Orleans. But, hey, let's freaking go, Yanks.
0: I love a little positive Charlie and Elmhurst. And he's so right. After that seventh inning in the comedy of errors, you didn't know if the Yankees had another rabbit they could pull out of that. You get a break with country Joe West, not calling that third strike on Aaron Judge. Looked like he was out on the transfer, not a foul tip. You got to take advantage. Just like the Red Sox had to take advantage when the Yankees dropped a couple of pop-ups. Judge hit a booming double, and then Stanton sent another one on the lens down Street. Or as I was screaming Saturday, onto to blanking down Street. And the Yankee fan better lay off John Carlos Stanton for a while. The guy's played. The guy's been clutch going back to last year's postseason. He's very streaky. He's very hot and cold. Look at his numbers this year, though. Exactly where they needed to be. And again, I said this to Michael Kay. If you would have told me you got these years at a judge in Stanton, I would have thought the Yankees win north of 100 games. We know a lot of things have gone wrong for them. But here they are. A game up. A chance to host that wildcard game. But it's about this week. As satisfying, as glorious as this weekend might have been, And I'm sure it was a wonderful one for Bill in Los Angeles. Happy birthday, Bill from Los Angeles. I hope another great year is upon you. We love your support. I had an opportunity to talk to Bill and Dr. Bill earlier this morning. That's why I was a couple of minutes late to the Spotify green room. Class X. Bill China to the reverse jinx on the Yankees, though. I ain't buying it. And that's why Yankee fans, trust me on this. Don't take the bait. Win this week against the Blue Jays. Get in the playoffs. Get us to the Bronx. Get us to the Daga. Win that game, and away we go. Next.
5: JJ, Brandon and Westchester. Uh, Just wanted to say I was up in Fenway the last two nights, and it was fucking electric. I mean, it was one of the best experiences I ever personally had. Uh, First time going to Fenway, it was fucking sick. Now, two questions for you. First, I noticed you weren't repping a Yankee jersey in the stadium. What's that about? Were you just not trying to get heckled or, you know, just a simple white tee is all you wanted to wear? And uh, number two, what is the best two games you have ever seen in your real life? Uh, personally, for me, I was at that Raul Ibanez game. Um, I'm only 22, so I haven't been able to see a bunch of games. But I was at the Raul game, and I got to honestly say, last night, Saturday night, Giancarlo, grand slam to win it. That was the second best game I've personally been to in my life. So just wanted to hear your thoughts. Have a good one. Thanks for taking my call.
0: Brandon, you got it. All right, couple of things here. Number one, I had to do the shows from the press box on Friday and Saturday. So because of that, I can't be walking around Fenway in the press box in like my Don Mattingly Yankee T-shirt. I can't. Now, when I'm in the stands, different story. And I like sitting in the stands. I like being with the people. I like interacting. I ran into one of our great listeners, Duncan, who's one of the all-time greats. We had a great time over the weekend. He's my good luck charm. So on Friday, found him again on Saturday. Sometimes you got to find that positive juju wherever you can. So that's why I had my Charlie Brown baseball Yankee shirt on. Because we had to do the green rooms after the fact. Number one. For me to say Saturday is one of the best games I've attended, it was definitely one of the more satisfying games I've attended in a long time. Listen, I've been a Yankee season ticket holder basically for the last 20 years. I've gone to so many great games in my life. Like I was at the Berocious home run game. I was at the Melky Cabrera six 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 game against Boston, Uh, I I was at Jeter's last game. I was at the DD wildcard game. I was at the um, game four against the Astros, which is a very underrated playoff win. Like, I've been to a lot of crazy, great Yankee games. It's probably a topic for February. I can tell you this. I want to add to that list. I want to add to that list between now and the end of this year. That would be great. From a regular season standpoint, though, yeah, it was a great environment. and there were a lot of Yankee fans. That was the one thing I noticed about this weekend. Maybe it's because the Yankees were playing well and they were rocking the house and they had Stanton home runs to cheer about. The Yankee fan made their presence felt. I thought that was pretty clear and I thought it was pretty obvious. I know Jacko was tweeting about that. I was yelling and screaming. You know, I did my part. And if you saw a video that uh, our buddy captured, which we shared on the ringer, I could get a little high-pitched when uh, some good things happen to my team. Can hit those high notes, you know? Last, but certainly not least, who's up?
5: Hey, JJ. It's Morris calling from Brooklyn. And what a fucking game. What a fucking game. Yankees haven't pulled flush the whole season. And Aaron Judge label does not flush throughout the beginning of the season, beginning of the season. And then, time after time, a couple of weeks ago, against the Twins, big clutch hits clutch after clutch, and Giancarlo labeled as a bust of a trade. Nobody can ever boo Giancarlo Stanton ever again, period. The guy has carried our backs throughout the playoffs last season, and this season, he just carried us through the biggest weekend of our lives. Way to go, Giancarlo. And let's go, Yankees.
0: I love that passion. You know Giancarlo Stanton will hear boos again at Yankee Stadium. That's just the way it goes. He knows it. The Yankee fan knows it. But realize this. In 2021, Stanton has given you everything you could have hoped for. He's been durable. He's been clutch. He has performed. And now he's destroyed the Red Sox. That stuff should go in the memory bank. But again, the momentum of this season, it's day by day. And as good as you're feeling this Monday morning, you're riding high. You get shot down pretty quick. That's a 2021 New York Yankees season in a nutshell has taught us. The Yankees have had the right attitude in Boston all weekend. I hope and I pray they have the right attitude going into Toronto this coming week. Because this series, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it's just as big. Could argue, if not bigger. We'll come back, set the stage for the Yankees and the Blue Jays, and Monday night football with a pick. You know it's a pick. It's gonna be a losing week for me. It's about Avoiding damage. That's what we will try to do. That's coming up next.
1: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. Side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app.
3: This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold slurpy drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven and your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small slurpy drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that about me going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, Feeling thirsty right now. How about going to visit a 7 Eleven, valid through 1725? 7 Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax, participating US Stores C app for full terms, all rights reserved.
0: So we got Monday Night Football, Eagles, Cowboys. You guys know I'm invested in this game. I'm playing Philadelphia plus three and a half. Now, I did not have a great week. Dolphins thankfully covered for me. They didn't deliver for me, but they covered for me. Patriots, embarrassing. Giants, embarrassing. Niners, let me down. Thanks, Saruti. Thanks, Jimmy G. Um, I need an eagle win because you can survive two and three weeks. The one and four and the 0 and fives will kill you. Need the Eagles to get me a cover. So I know I'm heads up with my guy, Jeff Money. I need a cover. Yankees. It's Yankees, Blue Jays, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Pitching matchups. Tyon, Ryu on Tuesday. Very curious what the Yankees are getting out of Tyon. You can't expect more than four or five innings. Guy hasn't pitched in about three, three and a half weeks. Ryu is giving the Yankees a hard time. That's concerning. Toronto, for that matter, is giving the Yankees a hard time. Cole Barrios on Wednesday is a fabulous matchup. And if you're the Yankees, you really don't want to pitch Cole. This weekend. I know Booney has said he doesn't want to pitch him on short rest. But if you're tied, you're trying to make the playoffs, even if you're not starting him, there may be an opportunity for him to go and pitch. You don't want that. You want him on regular rest going into that wildcard game. Cole pitching Wednesday would give him an extra day of rest going into next Tuesday. That's what you want. That's exactly what you want. And on Thursday, it's going to be Cooper against the guy pitching to Cy Young and Robbie Ray. It looks like Ray and Cole, like, neck and neck for the Sion. So you can make the argument, Cole Wednesday, Ray Thursday, they're pitching for the award. You don't care about that. This is all about the Yankees winning this series, getting into the postseason, and getting that game at Yankee Stadium. This is going to be a very stressful week. Let me tell you, Monday, in many ways, even though we have Monday Night Football, it's like the calm before the storm. These three games are enormous. I'll be at Yankee Stadium on Friday night. I'm looking forward to that. and. We will have a loaded week. Maybe the New York football teams will actually cooperate at some point in time and give us something positive to talk about. Because you know what? I'm sick of all the losing. I'm not even a New York football fan, but it's tough to take. It is really, really tough to take. Should be an intriguing week. Fellas, outstanding job as always. We're back in the motherland. We're back in New York. Come Tuesday. JJ out. Enjoy your week, everybody. And if you're a Yankee fan, say your prayers. Be good.